Uh, good morning. As you probably know, we're in the middle of our summer Sundays, uh, speaking through the, the Psalms. And it's our great pleasure and privilege to be able to speak with you all on our family's last Sunday here at Jubilee. Uh, Mim and I will be speaking on Psalm 13, uh, which probably not a psalm you're very familiar with. Uh, and to break the mold, we don't have any numbered points for you this morning. We're just, we're just going to talk with you uh, and share from our heart. So over to Mim. Okay. Psalm 13. For the director of music, a psalm of David. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Does anyone know what it's like when it feels like everything is hopeless? I know it's a bit of an odd tack to, to take. I know we're in church right now, and this isn't a done thing because we all know that our hope lies in Jesus Christ. But let's be real for a moment. Uh, who knows what it's like to wake up in the morning and not have a single positive thought in your head about the day? I do. Yeah, life is tough, right? Uh, even without war, famine, and suffering, some days it just doesn't seem like the juice is worth the squeeze. And I know what that's like. There's even a t-shirt uh, that I want to get that embraces that feeling, and it says, sorry I'm late, I didn't want to come. <laughs> that's right, guys, this morning we're going to have a, uh, a pity party. But it's going to be a, a pity party with a difference. We're going to root it in biblical truth. Uh, this morning, we're going to lament. So Simon has already talked about different types of psalms. We heard from Elham the other week about psalms of deliverance. We've heard from Dennis and Kirian about a psalm, psalms of praise. This one is a psalm of lament. It has a little title for the director of music, which means it's a song. So we're all going to sing it now. No, I'm joking, we're not. <laughs> David has written this psalm. We don't know exactly when he wrote it, but when we look at David's life, he had times when he was running from Saul and his life was in danger. Or he was running from Absalom and his life was in danger. Maybe it was in one of these times that this psalm was written. David feels that God has forgotten him and has let his enemies win. One of the really important things that the psalms show us is that we can talk to God about how we're feeling, even when that's negative. We can bring things that are hard before God, and we can even question God and be frustrated that we don't understand or know his timings. Having doubts and questions doesn't mean that we're bad Christians or that we don't have enough faith. Actually, it means that we're being honest with God. We're acknowledging that we don't know as much as him. And it's in the time of doubt that we search more for answers and learn more about God and draw closer to him as we're commanded to in James chapter 4, verse 8. Draw, draw near to God, and he will come near to you. The Psalms also remind us of the truth of God. Look at verses 5 and 6 in Psalm 13. His love is unfailing. My salvation is secure. God has been good to me, and I can sing to God. 
None of these things change, regardless of how I feel. Creator God has actually designed us to sing to him, in that the act of singing itself has been shown to be, uh, been shown to have benefits to us. For example, it is a natural antidepressant. Singing lowers stress levels. Singing helps with sleep. Singing can improve your communication skills and many other benefits. Therefore, choosing to sing to God can turn us positively towards him. The Psalms were the worship songs and prayers that the Jews used in their everyday life, and many of these would have been learned by heart. We see Jesus praying Psalm 22 on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Even Jesus lamented. But in his lament, Jesus knew that joy was set before him and that his death would fulfill all of the Old Testament laments and prophecies. Sometimes as humans, it seems like there's a real disconnect between the experience of each day and the promised eternal reality of being children of God. Scripture tells me that I've been adopted into his family, that I've been transformed into righteousness, that death has been defeated and I'm no longer a slave to sin. And yet, on the other hand, we're waiting. It's both here and not yet. And some days my experience is not the same as my spiritual promise. We see right at the beginning in Genesis 3 that sin has tainted creation forever. And whilst I'm no longer a slave to it, sin has broken God's creation, both humanity itself and the earth on which we live. And when we pretend otherwise, we rob ourselves of inviting God and others into our struggle. We present a view of Christianity which is unobtainable, rooted in our successes and not in Jesus Christ. When we pretend otherwise, we forget that we need Jesus, and we forget that those around us have the same need for Jesus. And what the laments teach us is that it's okay for us not to be okay. And allow me to give you permission right now to feel how you feel. You don't need to pretend for us. What you do need to know is that God loves you anyway. And that that love surpasses everything. The, the laments, so lots of the Psalms that are laments, remind us to look to God when it's not okay and not to get lost in our moment as well. I find the Psalms of Lament really encouraging. Sometimes I can read about David, the man after God's own heart, or Abraham, the founder of the faith, or Job, who never denied God, and I wonder, could I ever be in such a close relationship with God as them? The laments helped me. These guys didn't have it all figured out, and they didn't have all of their lives sorted. They just knew that they wanted to express how they felt to God. Job does this really well, and actually tells his friends off when they take the time to blame God, not talk to God. And we can read that in Job chapter 19, verses 25 to 29. About 10 years ago, we had a bump in the road, highlighting some of the difficulties in our marriage. At the time, there were a handful of psalms which I found really helpful and comforting. All of them were psalms of lament, where we see the honesty of the psalmist, but how, in the lamenting, they draw closer to God. I would read them and have that little pity party for myself in the first few verses. Why had God allowed these difficult circumstances and how long would he let them go on for? Why wasn't I getting a quick answer? Then, 
The encouragement of the next few verses would come. God's love never failed. He was still with me and for me, and he was still my rock that I could cling to. And he had been really good to me. He had drawn Matthew and I together in a way that we couldn't have engineered. He had spoken to each of us directly that we were to marry the other one. And he had transformed our lives throughout our relationship, from me getting to know Jesus for myself right through to present day. The reminders that God's love was unfailing meant that I knew he wanted the best for us and that whilst what we were going through was really hard, God had brought us together for his glory and his love was going to sustain us for a greater purpose into the future. I thought it was my relentless pursuit that brought us together. (laughs) Uh, I'm kidding. Um, But we must remember to give thanks for the small things to train ourselves to recognize where God is at work, bringing things together for our good. When we forget that, when we wrongly attribute success that belongs to God, to ourselves or others, we get lost in a moment of pride and our focus shifts from him to ourselves. Cultivating an attitude of gratitude, learned that one from Gav, uh, even our laments will transform our hearts and minds. Currently, I find that the Psalms of Lament present challenges for me. In a place personally where I have to keep reminding myself that relationships take effort, that I need to be real with people if I want to get to know them better, that friendships are built on vulnerability, the Psalms remind me that all of this is true of a relationship with God too. I need to be open and vulnerable with him, telling him my thoughts and letting him draw me to him. Lamenting is not just for the big life events. It's for the days when the children are driving me mad or I feel like my friendships are not deep enough or I don't have enough grace and energy to be God's light at work. I can tell God how I'm feeling in each of those situations, not feeling inadequate or guilty that I don't have every part of life worked out. Sometimes in life, it's easier to put up a veneer over things and when people say, ask, how are you? You answer, fine, thank you. You say, how was your week? It was good. God doesn't want a veneer. He wants us to come to him and spill out our deepest thoughts and emotions. Even if we're having a time when we don't feel we can do that with the people around us, God is still there, still listening and still interested in us. I think that sometimes I'm guilty of putting that veneer on for God too. I know he has given me a lot of blessings and he's directed my life, so I feel like I should be fine. But I wouldn't be human if I was always fine, so I need to stop pretending to God and to myself that I am. In these psalms, we see that the psalmist always turns to God at the end. I will sing the Lord's praises, for he has been good to me. What a comfort that is. Even in the depths, when David felt that God had forgotten him, he sang praises. We can see that in verse 3, David asks God for an answer. We don't hear God give him an answer in this psalm, but David turns to praise regardless. The Bible is clear that God's timing is not our timing but we have to trust in his sovereignty. We've prayed for over two years about moving to Shrewsbury and waiting on God for an answer was really hard. I don't do well with indecision and I wanted to know for certain what the next stage of life might look like. For the last two years, God has completely undone me in a way that became taxing and difficult um, and in a way that has left me feeling extremely vulnerable. Having experienced a handful of accidents in activities where I was both confident and capable, 
I've been challenged about where my identity lies. Diagnosed with depression, even everyday interactions and decisions have been difficult for me. Areas of creativity and organization that had previously been effortless now seemed so far from reach. I was struggling, I was hurting, I was disappointed and I was angry. In my despair, I felt trapped. Trapped inside an obsessive mind, bottled in by a repetitive cycle of my faults and failures, ashamed of who I was, trapped behind a desk of isolation, the very gifts God had given me now forming the wall of my prison. I was lost in a quiet bubble of grumpiness, and I couldn't pretend anymore. Everything was not okay. Finding Jesus in the depths of my lament has been agonizing. Like David, I've cried out to the Lord, cried for freedom, cried for healing, often even crying tears. Finding the strength to lift up my eyes and rejoice has been a constant battle. And yet rejoice I shall in his unfailing love, in his faithfulness. I shall me meditate on his promises. So helpfully placed in song, I am a child of God. He has been faithful. There is a place for me in my father's house and I will raise a hallelujah. God is at work even when we are least aware of it. Miriam and I have been members of Jubilee for 15 years now. And I can honestly say that God has used this church and its people to mold us and shape us, transforming the shape of our lives dramatically for his good. I encourage you to rejoice in the ways God has directed your life. Here are some examples from mine. This is Robert. Robert has faithfully served at my childhood church for his whole life. When I was just five years old, he would allow me to sit on his lap, put on the headphones, and operate the sound desk under his instruction. What he imparted to me at five is that there is a place in God's church for even me, that I can use the natural skills God has given me to serve his kingdom, and those two realities are as true for you as they are for me. Even in the depths of our lament, there is a place for us in his kingdom. And he has gifted us with skills and attributes that allow us to serve him. This is my grandpa. He's now 98, and he doesn't know I have depression. Often he doesn't remember who I am, but without fail, for the last five years, even when he was on his hospital bed and we thought he was about to die, he reminded me of this. Rejoice. Remember Matthew. In all things, rejoice. And there is truth in that exhortation. Just as David returns to delighting in God's love for him, we too need to remember to return to him. And we've got many other stories like this of how individuals here in this room have made a small but dramatic change in our life. Remember to delight in who God is and what he's doing. We need to remember to turn to him, to fix our eyes on Jesus, because he is faithful, he is at work, and in him, 
through each of us to his glory. He's at work to do good in our lives and in the lives of those that we meet. In our house, one of the things that we love to do, and I think we're going to do it this afternoon, uh, is to all squeeze on the same sofa and watch a film together. Our children are now eight and ten, and I eagerly await the day we can watch superhero films together. But, but there's one problem, okay? We get to the part of the supervillain, and my girls run away and say they're not watching anymore. Okay? They give up moments before the hero triumphs. Their recollection only that the baddie was scary and not that the hero was good. And our hero is very, very good. We even know the end of the story. Our hero triumphs over everything. Death is defeated. Sin is defeated also. And his perfect love remains. His love for you. And yes, God's plan for all of us is salvation. It's the plan for you. It's the plan for your family. It's the plan for your friends. His plan for the people you've never met. His plan is salvation. But his overarching banner for you and for me is unfailing love. That we might know his love for us in such a way that it would spill over to those around us in an abundance that transforms lives and points to Jesus. And we may never know the full extent of his plan for us or just how far his goodness has reached. But trust him, he is at work, and it is good just as he is good. You might be struggling right now, and that's okay. Let me tell you that, that's okay. We're not going to try and fix you. We're not going to tell you that it's not okay to feel how you feel. We're going to love you, as Christ loves the church. And Christ, and Christ alone, will transform you into his likeness will right every wrong and will turn your mourning into dancing. Allow me to encourage you right now that you can find everything in Jesus. You know that, I know that. But if it's too difficult for you right now, then let us help you. Let us carry you like Jesus to Jesus, like the four friends who carried the man on the mat to Jesus so that he could heal them. Why not ask someone to pray with you? Not as ministry for you, although there's a time and a place for that, but to pray with you. Prayer for you. Invite someone round. Invite them to come and sing with you. Whatever works, but allow us to help you in your moment to lift your eyes to Jesus. Because like that, that lame man He needed his friends to carry him. Jesus was the answer, but he needed friends to carry him there. So let's not forget that we need to lift our eyes to Jesus. Lou Fillingham has written a lament, and and it echoes a lot of these psalms, but it reminds us of God's goodness. So we're going to listen to it now, and we're going to open our hearts to what we need to be honest with God about, and where we need to cling to him in our lives and put our trust in his unfailing love, sure salvation, 
singing praises and goodness. As we've said, laments turn our hearts to God and turn our focus to Jesus, the one who gave up his life for us. So let's use this time to focus on Jesus and really open our hearts to him and just spend a few minutes talking to Jesus about how we're actually feeling and asking him to come and be with us in those situations. <laughs> 